Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, April 23rd, out for my morning walk, and uh, it's good to be back. Took a little little time off, few days off, um, after my baseball slash voting rights road trip, um, and uh, been catching up on some various work things and getting our son back into school, literal, I mean, like going to school. Um, so it's just been a little busy, but I'm glad to jump back on the podcast this morning, um, back for a couple, uh, with a couple things I want to talk about today. I hope you're all doing well. My general focus for this one, this episode is probabilities, not certainties. Uh, That's the kind of working topic here that, that what happens in life is there are probabilities, but there are not certainties. Um, and that's certainly something that over time I've come to understand as a human. It's also something I uh, come to understand and see play out all the time in politics, um, in sports, in relationships, that there are probabilities for what's going to happen, but not certainties. Uh, because... Uh, we can, so let me unpack this. The, if you study people, if you talk to people who are behavioral scientists, folks who study how humans behave uh, and what's commonly known as either humanities or the social sciences, they'll talk about the greatest predictor of what someone is going to do tomorrow is what they are doing today. Or the greatest predictor of what they're going to believe tomorrow is what they believe today. But it's not, it's not determined. It doesn't determine that because we know that people change and evolve and shift. But that if you want to have a, you know, make a prediction, a bet on what someone's going to do tomorrow, what food they're going to eat, whether they're going to be smart, whether they're going to uh, believe that the best way to bring about democracy is by making it easier for people to vote that you look at what they believe or do today and that's the you know the a very strong predictor of what it's going to what they're going to do or believe tomorrow but there that's a predictor not a determinant and things change and shift and certainly we all have many instances of that in our lives but just as an example of the ways that things can change, uh, I'll just riff off a couple things um, that things are things are predictors but not determinants. They're probabilities but not certainties. The, the Mariners are 12 and seven right now and they're, they're looking like not bad this year. Well, if you look at the last 20 years of their existence, the probability is they are going to be not good. In fact, they might be downright terrible. But things can change. They can get new players. Other teams can get not as good players. And then luck or fate can intervene. So right now, you know, the Mariners are better than their record, their history would suggest. You could, you can think about this in all kinds of ways. Um, the, uh, the likelihood of us getting a vaccine or multiple vaccines at the place at the, at the pace that we're getting them would be unlikely. But 
you apply all of the energy of this country and the strength of our research and development capacity and you can make it happen. And so we have multiple vaccines. I got my second vaccine shot yesterday. Uh, my my um, vaccine type is Pfizer. Uh, so far, I'm feeling pretty good, a little soreness, but nothing, no particular uh, medical reaction. So I'm really feeling fortunate that we're able to pull off that. And you look in politics and people will do things that you don't expect. Like everything about them would predict a certain thing and make probable a certain outcome, but they will make decisions that run counter to that. A probability, not a certainty. So here's one example that is really relevant for us as we do our work in the fight to vote. We in the, on the advocacy team have been calling voters in uh, key states that have been uh, targets by Republican leadership of voter suppression, voter restrictions. We called into Georgia for a couple months during their state legislative session. And we uh, worked with an organization called the Center for Common Ground to make these calls and they worked with a partner on the ground, the Atlanta NAACP. Um, and we contacted many hundreds of voters who then contacted, well, we contacted thousands, but many hundreds of them agreed to uh, do what's called a patch through uh, to, to actually be on the phone with us and we would connect them to their state senator or state representative where they would voice their opposition to these really bad, heinous voter restrictive bills. When that was all said and done, the legislation that was proposed in Georgia um, got modified substantially. And the three biggies that they were trying to get rid of, one, automatic voter registration, two, no excuse absentee balloting, and three, to cut back dramatically in-person early voting, all three of those were intact. No excuse absentee voting now requires some further identification to it, and we're not happy about that, but it is something that we can deal with. So the reality is that we helped an outcome that, uh, that could have gone a lot of different ways to, to achieve the outcome that was less horrible. Now, not, that's not as good an outcome as a spectacularly positive outcome, but you take, you take the outcomes as best as we can get them. Well, that's what we did in Georgia. After we were done in Georgia, we started calling in voters in Arizona. In Arizona, we've been calling for about the last month now, um, at least a couple times a week, sometimes four, sometimes, uh, sometimes two times a week, but a couple times each week calling voters in Georgia, I'm sorry, in Arizona, and asking them to contact their state representative or senator and to express their displeasure, their opposition to these really bad voting bills. In Arizona, the target for the Republicans are twofold. One is they want to eliminate um, 
no uh, uh, app, they want to eliminate absentee ballot drop boxes from a lot of locations. And they also want to stop people from having the ability to vote out of their assigned voting precinct. Those two pieces are part of one bill, getting rid of drop boxes and uh, for, uh, declaring that any votes done out of precinct would be eliminated. That, partic that last little bit would particularly targets native voters who live either in really rural spaces um, and will vote given the chance anywhere they can or natives who then who are in precinct in, on a reservation but then live in, in an urban space uh, from voting it would block them from voting in those urban spaces so these two approaches get rid of drop boxes and stopping out of precinct voting both target people um, specific people that uh, are less likely to go to the, pe the the polling location that is assigned to them and would prefer to vote or drop off their ballot wherever they can. This that bill has gone into a committee in the in the state house and has stayed there for some time. It is not really moving right now, but there's a second bill that has definitely been moving through the legislature, and that bill would purge about 200,000, a little more than 200,000 voters from the state's permanent early voting list, what's known as PEVL, the permanent early voting list. And in Arizona, more than 70% of voters vote by uh, mail. They use an absentee ballot to vote by mail. Um, and you, if you get on the permanent early voting list, then you keep getting mailed an absentee ballot every time. You keep getting mailed it. You don't have to get on the list each election. You just stay on the list and you get the ballot. It's a really great thing. Once you've opted on the list, you get the ballot mailed to you. Um, the Republicans want to purge people, which is remove voters from the list if they don't vote once every four elections. Um, and the four elections that they're identifying are not just four major elections like presidencies or midterm elections. They also include local elections and party primaries. So you get to four elections really quickly under the proposed bill. And there are lots of voters who might not vote every once every four elections when you add all of these additional elections into the list. Um, this bill analysis has been done would remove uh, about 40% of the people would be, would be removed would be uh, Democratic identified. They're, they're affiliated. They've uh, declared a Democratic persuasion in their party registration. It would remove about a little less than 30% Republicans and the rest independents. So it would have a disproportionate impact on Democratic voters because Democratic voters tend to be younger um, and vote less. They tend to also be lower income voters um, who don't pay as much attention to politics or don't see it as relevant to their lives. And so they vote less. I um, mean, it also tends to uh, 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 eliminate voters who are voters of color who often also are um, uh, 
alienated from politics and don't see the relevance of voting all the time either. Um, so the Republicans are trying to get past this bill, the Pebble bill. Uh, and we have been calling state, uh, vote, have been calling voters and telling, asking them to contact their representatives and senators to block these bills. Um, and, and some of the times we've asked people to call the governor because it, it's, looks pretty apparent that these bills or this bill is going to pass and the governor would be the last stop for vetoing it. And the governor is a, a, a Republican, Doug Ducey, and he's, he's definitely conservative, but he's not crazy conservative. Um, and he might well vote. Uh, he might well veto this bill if it passes. So this week, I know this has been a kind of a, a, a long explanation, but I, one of the things I try to do on the uh, podcast is to not just cut to the chase of the outcome, um, but to explain the process by which an outcome that we seek to enact uh, with common power in our work and for the good of democracy, why that outcome is here and how it is that we got here and then what, what our goal, what's the rationale for our goal. Um, this week, uh, the well, let me let me say that last week um, or the last couple of weeks, the Republicans in the state Senate uh, have struck a deal with local Republicans um, in the party to do an audit of all the votes in Maricopa County in 2020. Maricopa County is the Phoenix area at 70 percent of all voters in the state. And they want to do an audit of those ballots. That's 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 fine. They're welcome to do that. Uh, the state senate is going to pay for half of this. I'm not thrilled about that. I think that if Republicans want to do this audit, they should, but they shouldn't get funded by the state to do it. But the Republicans have controlled the state legislature, and they 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 made the argument that this would be valuable for democracy to to do this audit. And so, okay, they're going to pay for half of it. I mean, that is underway now. They are moving the uh, machines to do the audits, and it's going to take a couple of months to do it. It takes a long time to, to if they're going to do this by hand, to do this. Um, unfortunately, they've, the people who have been, uh, who are leading this endeavor outside of the state Senate are some folks who are strong, strong uh, Trump supporters. They're Stop the Steal supporters. And they're people that are absolutely, uh, you know, inclined, probable to find uh, fraud where there may not be fraud. Um, so the Democrats now are are saying are not are, are attempting to change who's going to oversee this process. Um, they just, it just a lawsuit was just filed yesterday to to uh, not to stop the audit, but to create a, uh, a an independent commission that will oversee it. Now, this process of doing the audit um, could be really good if it shows us exactly how accurate the count was. Um, and if it somehow reveals flaws in the system, then it will be something that will be helpful for us to improve the system. And also, Republicans would seize upon it and use it as a basis for voter suppression for new voter restriction bills. That's a reality. We don't know how that's going to play out. We don't know. But we can try to shape 
how it's done. And so we're not filing the lawsuit, but we certainly support the lawsuit to put an independent commission in charge of this. That audit, which is just beginning to unfold now, is the backdrop for something that happened this week. So on Tuesday of this week, the uh, state house passed this bill purging voters from the pebble, from the permanent early voting list. They passed the bill on a party line vote. And the Republicans have uh, a two seat majority in the house and in the Senate. And so they passed it by two votes um, and it moved over to the state Senate. Um, and there was a slight delay because of some uh, objections. The, the Democrats uh, wanted to not participate in this debate and then did participate once a quorum was achieved and then were denied the chance to, to offer their opinions about Republicans. So there was a delay on Wednesday. And then yesterday, Thursday, the state Senate took up this bill and went forward to vote on it. And here's where the probabilities, not certainty, hit the road. One of the Republican senators in the state said, I'm not going to vote for this uh, today. I might vote for this sometime, but I want to see the results of the audit first. Because if the audit doesn't show a problem, then this is a waste of time. We should not do this legislation. And there might be some cynical motives behind why uh, this Republican senator said this. I don't know. I'm not there. And I'm not, I don't really spend a lot of time in the motives. I, I'm much more interested in what the actions are. Um, but that was her position. She took that position. And so she voted to not pass the bill. She voted against it. Um, that sunk the bill because they only had a two seat majority. And when one of the persons steps away, you now, and it's a zero sum game. Um, if she just didn't vote, it would be registered as a abstain. But if you vote against, you've switched your vote over to the, the other side with all the Democrats. And now you have an even distribution in the Senate. So instead of 1614, it becomes 1515. And that sunk the bill yesterday. So the bill, bill was blocked. It did not pass. This was a surprise. This senator had not indicated she was going to do this. And she said, I will not vote for any other, any voting legislation in this legislative session until we get the results of the audit. Well, there is an, a, a very, very high, unlike, uh, high likelihood that the, that audit will not be done before the legislature is done this session. Um, and as a result, it becomes highly likely that this bill will not pass the Arizona Senate this legislative session. It may never pass because once you get into things happening, other things happen. So what we have here is a roadblock that was not expected. All likelihood would have been to predict that they, that bill would have passed the Senate. Then it would be on to the governor and our last hope would be in, at the governor to block this bill. But one person made a choice and that's where Life is about probabilities, not certainties. And that is why we do our work because we don't know 
what might happen. Life has to be lived. And you, you, you don't allow probabilities to stop us, probabilities of bad things to stop us from trying. Okay? We, we have to be strategic in what we take on. So we definitely look at the likelihood of probabilities and allow those to guide our actions with CP. And we also know that you just don't know what's going to happen until we get to that point in the chess match. So we'll see what unfolds. But for right now, this bill is stopped in Arizona. What will happen with the audit? We don't know yet. Uh, we know what what the Republicans are seeking to do. And we know that the Democrats are suing to, to get an independent commission. That will probably slow down the process. Uh, we'll see how that unfolds. Will this senator who voted this way, her name is Kelly Townsend, um, will she vote, change her vote? I don't know. But I know that she voted this way yesterday, and that stopped this process. So we don't know what's going to happen in our American politics. We know what the likelihoods are, but we don't know the certainties. You can't. You can't know the certainties. We don't know what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are going to do when we get down to the final steps in this, the, the, the battle for H.R. 1 and for H.R. 4, which is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. We don't know what they're going to do when we get down to the last little bits on the legislation for Washington, D.C. statehood, which passed the House yesterday for the second time in American history. We absolutely should have statehood for Washington, D.C. They deserve representation in Congress. We all do. But what we do is we attempt to shape the probabilities. That if the probability of one thing happening is like 97% likely that's going to happen, but we are able to nudge that either to more even stronger happening or to a less likelihood of happening, we got to give it our shot. We have to. Otherwise, we stand on the sideline as observers, as folks who hope that the Mariners might someday be good or hope that our educational system might someday do bring back students or hope that we'll bring about racial justice and equity in this society. But all we are is observers. We're passer, we're bystanders is the sociologist terms. We're bystanders of society. Our job is to engage in the probabilities to try to nudge them one way or another. We have a record in common power of being part of some really serious, effective nudging. We're going to keep that going. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering, does it matter if I make a call or two? Does it matter if I provide some treasure, some money to support young leaders? Does it matter if I talk to my sister about some issue. Yeah, there are no certainties. There are just probabilities. And we are players in those probabilities. We have a role to play.
Life is about probabilities, not certainties. We're players in that existence. Yesterday, we got an outcome in Arizona that was surprising. Will that be the outcome today or tomorrow or next Tuesday? I don't know. I just know that there is a certain thing that we can do to bring about a certain probability, and I want to help. I want to try. In fact, I have an ethical responsibility to try. That's what the arc of history tells us. All right, folks, let's go forward. Let's do some work. Have a good weekend. Let's try to bring about certain probabilities. Let's try. See ya.